Hey guys, Noah here. I had the opportunity to sit down on the Meet the Podcasters podcast here recently with James Deeney and uh, got to talk about the Code Story podcast, got to talk about our workflow, how we do things on the show, and I'm just really excited to share the episode with you today. We talk about a workflow, we talk about music, we talk about creating a narrative, and so I think you're really going to like this conversation. Check it out and enjoy. Hi everyone. Welcome to Meet the Podcasters. This is James Deeney. My guest today is Noah Labhart. Noah is the host of Code Story, and he's also the CTO and co-founder of Variable, which is an on-demand labor marketplace for manufacturing and logistics. Noah's podcast, Code Story, is all about exploring the human side of building a tech startup from scratch, told in the words of the founders themselves. As an expert in that field himself, Noah is able to ask the right questions to walk listeners through the process of how each guest went from an idea sketched on the back of a napkin to a fully functioning product with thousands of users. One thing that really stood out to me about Code Story is the fact that it's had a really high production value right from the beginning. The interviews are tightly edited to craft a narrative in each episode. Noah takes time to carefully script out an introduction that sets the scene for listeners, and episodes feature hand-picked backing tracks that help convey the key stages of each guest's journey. Put together, all this creates a fully immersive audio experience, similar to many NPR podcasts in its style. But Noah is able to do all that with only just a tiny fraction of the budget and resources that NPR have to work with, which is really impressive. And in this interview, I spoke with him about his journey with Code Story so far and some of the parallels that exist between starting a company and starting a podcast. We discussed why it took Noah almost a year to publish his first episode, how to keep a high bar on podcast quality by hiring the right people. We talked about Noah's approach to crafting narratives from long form conversations finding royalty free music and the art of adding music to your podcast and towards the end of the conversation Noah talks about the different methods he's used to find sponsors for Code Story and he also gave his predictions on the tech innovations we're likely to see soon in the podcast industry. As always you can find links to the resources we mentioned in this episode on the podcast.co website so be sure to check those out but now let's get into the conversation. Today, I'm joined by Noah Labhart. Thanks for coming on the show, Noah. Thanks for having me. Super glad to be here. So as I was listening to some episodes of Code Story in preparation for this podcast, the first thing that came to my mind as I was listening was that these episodes must take a long time to put together. It's easy to hear the work that goes into each one. So I'm excited to have an opportunity to learn a bit more about your processes in this conversation. But I thought we'd start things off first by going back in time a bit. So how did your relationship with podcasting first begin? When did you start listening to them on a regular basis? Sure. Uh, um, you know, podcasts, I've been listening to podcasts for several years now. And I think when it when it really started for me, um, I had a buddy that started his own podcast. Um, his name is Chris Gravy, one of my best friends in the world. And he started a podcast with his wife. Uh, it's now called the Live It Well podcast. And um, it's a, a spiritual uh, marriage relationship kind of um, based um, podcast. And so I kind of got to observe the the process there. Also had another friend, um, Kaylee Porter, who started a podcast about um, infertility and women. And 
Um, so I kind of watched them, watched the process, and was like, okay, that's really cool. Uh, I listen to podcasts. It's it's uh, it's fun to me. Um, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy having the selection and uh, the ability to choose what I want to listen to. Mm. Um, but but that was that was kind of early days when I really started to get the bug for making Code Story. Um, I started or I got introduced to how I built this with uh, but with uh, Guy Raz, mm. and <clears throat> I love the way Guy Raz. Um, drives an interview to surface the most interesting points and i could you know when i first got introduced to how i built this i was i would binge listen i would just episode by episode just love the way the stories were drawn out and even more i love the way that the music and the narration and the questions created tension in the story um and resolution at certain points in the story to where it's an audio experience. It's not. Mm. It's not just a just an interview and just to talk. Um, just a talking points, which which are also good. I, I enjoy those as well. But but for me, that that rich audio experience really just um, I, I, it really came to life for me when I when I started listening to that podcast. I'm I'm a musician. I've been doing music for a long long time. I was in a band and we produced several records, and so oh, I understand nice. the, the studio uh, aspect and things like that. And um, so there was something really artistic about the audio experience that that Guy Ross was creating. So that's really that really was the kickoff point and a lot of the inspiration for how I how I um, structured Code Story. Yeah, you can definitely hear that influence kind of shining through that the NPR style um, type production, mm-hmm. which uh, we, we will get into later. I'm sure I'm, I'm really keen to talk to you about the the music aspect of it. But essentially, was your idea to take what you heard um in that podcast and then apply it to your own career and think how can i make this work with the things i'm involved in what would that look like if i was going to tell uh, or present an audio experience uh, about the tech world was that the idea uh similar yeah it, it was it, it was a big takeaway for that i mean you know when i when i started out with you know code story i was thinking you know i'm having a lot of conversations with other ctos other startup founders where you know we're talking about um the journeys we're walking through not just like hey what did you what tool did you use for this or hey you know how did you manage an employee like this it's really about the journey mm-hmm. it's about the you know trading war stories how'd you feel during that time you know, once you picked that technology and you realized you had to ditch it later, where you pissed off, you know, things like that. Like, like what was it? What's the human experience there? Um, and um, and so I was having lots of those conversations at the same time, having, you know, getting into uh, how I built this. I was um, um, looking for that type of podcast in tech with a sort of tech drive behind it. And not necessarily like, you know, ones and zeros, all coding. This is what I did online, 227 type of thing. Um, but more, again, about the the human experience from the technology side, the technology visionary. And so um, those two things sort of were were the basis of where I started there. And, and it, you know, I, I, I do take a lot from the conversations uh, that I get to have. It's really fun for me. I get to talk to peers that are doing, you know, similar things in different industries. And it's really fun to talk about the decisions and the walks that we've gone through. And that, that's one of the things 
I was thinking because you're obviously a CTO and your company variable uh, has been has been running for a number of years and I was wondering is there a connection between code story and your company or is it an entirety you know separate entity that's just purely for the sake of producing the podcast is there a connection there um, that's a good question. So there, there's not a connection between variable other than me and and the fact that I'm a I'm the CTO at variable. Um, it started out just kind of as a fun fun side project for me. It's its own it's its own entity. Um, you know, prior to variable, I ran a uh, mobile development agency uh, called TouchTap. So I kind of did some creative things through TouchTap. The podcast was was one of them, um, or at least where it started. TouchTap is is no longer in operation. But obviously the podcast is, um, but no, it's not not affiliated with Variable. However, it has influenced the way, um, or I'd say more rounded out the way that I understand podcasts and how useful they are, not only for podcast listeners, but for for brands, for businesses, things like that. And so, um, I am a, a huge champion for Variable to start a thought leadership podcast in. Um, the world of operations, manufacturing operations, um, you know, obviously labor, because that's one of our sweet spots. But and that, that is our sweet spot. We're um, on-demand marketplace for labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so really starting a thought leadership uh, podcast around um, the operations world, I think could be really not only be valuable for us as a brand, but bring a lot of value to uh, that industry. In, in preparing for this conversation, I listened to the conversation that you had over with the guys at Squadcast uh, and on their Between Two Mics podcast. And just touching on this point, uh, in that episode, you drew parallels between starting a podcast and starting a company. Because I think very quickly, your operation with Code Story expanded beyond just you as, as a one-man operation. And you quickly began to, to take on more people to help you you know, produce and publish these episodes. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk a bit more about those similarities that you see between starting a company and, and starting a podcast in the way that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I see a lot of parallels and, <clears throat> you know, the my involvement with startups really helped me, um, I would say, uh, build my workflows in a way that was efficient. Um, not perfect. I still have a, um, a ways to go in making this an efficient, well-oiled machine. Mm. Um, but being able to, you know, put some things in place as, uh, things got more time consuming, um, was, was really helpful. So, you know, I, I started up the, the podcast, um, and, you know, I was uh, talking to my longtime friend, college roommate, Ryland Barnes. He was a, uh, he is a tech entrepreneur around here in, in Dallas, successful tech entrepreneur. And, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, I want to do this podcast and this is the topic. And this is what I'm going to kind of do. This is what it's going to feel like. What do you think? And he was like, oh man, that sounds great. I would totally be a listener. I was like, good, you're going to be my first uh, interviewee then. <laughs> and so on the spot, I made, a, I made him sign up there. Um, so I interviewed him in October of 2018. Hmm. And, um, you know, I took like six months working on that first episode, <laughs> trying to trying to find time, trying to let go of perfection, um, you know, trying to 
to really build my my pilot episode, my MVP, call it from a, you know to use a startup term, hmm. and uh, you know my my initial product there, and it was it was taking me so long, and I and I wanted <laughs> so badly to be able to do it myself. I just didn't, I didn't have time between, you know, I'm married, been married uh, for 11 years. I have three children, um, startup CTO, and then podcast. So there's just not a lot of extra time. Um, So I finally was like, okay, I got to get out of my own way here. Um, I'm the linchpin, I'm not the linchpin, I'm the, uh, the, uh, the blocker here um, for code story that happened. So, um, Ended up hiring um, my first editor uh, for season one, George Macharco, who did a fantastic job, did really good, immediately latched on to the, the vision of the music and how we're creating a story and, you know, a narrative. And he, he's not a, a tech guy. He's a, he's a, you know, audio engineer, um, I would call him. And he's also a podcast host himself, but he, he did a fantastic job. And, and crafting um, the stories and really latched on. So we, we worked really well together. Um, so George joined the team, and then um, Deanna Chapman actually helped with some of the promotions. Uh, she joined the team to help with the social media, uh, newsletter, um, things like that, to try to get the word out um, about the podcast in the early days. So, um, you know, built an MVP, formed a small sort of startup team, um, and then launched the first episode in June of 2019 and started out uh, monthly. Uh, I'm sorry, not monthly, every two weeks mm-hmm. uh, episodes. And got so many interviews in the queue and got some good traction out of the gate where I was like, we got to go, we got to go every week. Um, I just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be worth it, I think, to me if we're not doing it every every week. So we switched over after about, I think, 10 episodes, something like that, to every uh, every week. And that was 40 or 50 episodes. I'm, I'm not sure what number we're on now mm-hmm. um, ago. I have switched editors, uh, switched teams since then. George, George and I have parted ways, and uh, amicably we're, we're, we support each other. Um, so now my editor is uh, Bradley Denham of Record Edit Podcast. Um, he does a fantastic job as well on his team. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a little bit of the parallels there between, you know, you're starting something up, you're building a product, you're building an early product, you have to form a team, you have to form processes, you have to figure out, okay, what are the long poles in the tent, essentially, what are the critical path items that you got to get out of the way and delegate and, um, not get in your own way like I did, Mm -hmm. um, and, and make it happen. Yeah, I think that that experience that you described of having an idea, um, and then kind of sitting on it for, months maybe years at a time is uh something that's common um for a lot of people that have an idea for a podcast and one of the things that that struck me as you were describing that process of how you got out of your own way and hired people um was that it's kind of a it's a brave move when the, the podcast doesn't exist yet and you're already expanding the team hiring extra people and sinking costs into the the production of the podcast so was this something that you were happy to make the investment then that you were confident that this was going to be something that you you would be doing years in the future and what was what was the thing that encouraged you to kind of make the investment initially to get it off the ground that's a great question i i i started out with touch tap sort of um still running at, at the time so i had some funds there to be able to use um, to be able to invest in the podcast. And I looked at it like, okay, this is something that 
is going to be highly valuable to people. It's going to be a really awesome product, a really awesome creation, and it's going to be evergreen, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. um, the stories might might get somewhat um, stale, you might say, just because they're a little bit time-based, but re- they're really all around the beginning of these successful companies. So the beginning really doesn't ever get stale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just add more stories on um, after it. So um, I was really excited about that. And so I was really excited to do it the right way and, and make sure that we were creating a quality product. And so investing you know, some funds into it, paying a team um, was a, you know, a, a thing that I thought was a worthy cause. Um, since then, you know, we've, we've started taking on, um, you know, advertisements in the show, but we'll, we have mid roll and pre roll and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other sort of, uh, revenue generating options that really um, we're not making money. We're really just covering costs. So I'll be honest there. Um, but it is something where, um, where we are taking on sponsorships and things now to be able to cover those, those costs because touch taps no longer there. Um, I would be essentially fronting it personally and, um, after a while it starts to starts to add up. You can see the rationale behind that decision. And in many ways, I think it's a wise one because the way that the podcast landscape is these days, if it's not quality, um, it, it just makes you, it makes it so much more difficult to, to build an audience. You want whatever initial point of contact people have with your show, you, you want the production quality to be high and listeners to be impressed so that you can, you know, slowly, build up the audience over time and as you said like it's not a get rich quick scheme but eventually um if you keep delivering quality week in week out then the the listener base will grow and you will start to see a return absolutely james you know there's something you reminded me of when you were saying that it's similar in the mobile world so i'm a i'm a software developer for a long time 15 plus years and um most recently before variable uh, a mobile developer um, and doing iOS development, and the same thing is true in the mobile world. If, if you don't, if you don't put out an app that looks good, um, that feels good from an experience standpoint, um, you're going to get a lot of negative feedback. So you really have to think about what sort of product you're putting out in front of people, because the mm. the reality is the market nowadays is is saturated. Uh, whether it be mobile apps, whether it be podcasts, whether it be other things. Mm. You know, the barrier to entry and in, in creating something nowadays is, is pretty low, which is great, right? It's awesome because you can jump out and just do it, but it also creates this challenge on the other side is that anyone can just jump out and do it and, and not everybody's going to keep an eye on quality. So you really got to, you really got to be able to, to shine there. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. That's, that's what we try and communicate, um, a podcast.co. Uh, it, it really is about the quality and I just kind of wanted to move on to talk a bit more about the episodes themselves the narrative format maybe we'll get into the music as well but first of all uh, obviously all of your guests are very technically minded people and the, the cliche in the tech world is that engineers aren't always the best communicators and <laughs> g- given the nature of your show there, there always is a chance that you could get lost in the technical details or get bogged down in jargon but i think you managed to very successfully you know avoid that from happening so is there anything that you consciously do to avoid that do you select guests who you know can communicate well in advance or what's your thinking there that's a that's a great question and you're right on um you know and i'm one of them i for a long time before i was a podcaster i i 
you know, I'm not a verbal communicator. You know, I'm a programmer by mm. trade, so <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. And and you're right. Um, you know, stereotypically, we are all not very good communicators. But but I don't. For me, I've been really lucky. Uh, I don't really um, have to screen um, anyone to to come on the show. Um, what I target is the founding members of of technology uh, technology teams or, or the the technolo- technological visionaries mm-hmm. the technological visionaries for um, a founding team or as a founder of a you know SaaS product or something like that um, and typically to do that you have to be able to communicate either what value you're bringing by building your product or communicate to your partner and to your teams mm. what you're trying to execute. So it kind of comes out in the wash um, based on who I'm targeting there, but it's not a, it's not a pre-interview making sure someone um, can have a conversation. I think the second part too is the way that I structure the interviews kind of uh, dips into the technology and then dips out and then dips into the technology and then dips out. Um, and, and I'm glad that comes through. You mentioned that the, that don't get the episodes don't get caught into the technical jargon, Hmm. um, too much. And I don't want that. Um, I do want some because it's a, it's a tech podcast. I want to talk about, you know, the hammers and the nails and Mm -hmm. the tools that these builders are using because that the technology is essentially that it's the hammers, the, the nails and things like that. So I want to, I want to bring those up. Um, and talk about them in an architectural way, um, but I don't want to get stuck. And I think the way that this, the questions are structured really keep the interview going into the human side too. You know, we start out talking about, you know, tell me about the MVP. You know, what tools did you use to build it? And, you know, um, you know say someone comes in and says, oh, I use this technology and this technology, and it took us six months to build. And I'm like, okay, cool. So let's talk about the decisions you had to make in choosing those tools and cutting features. How did that make you feel? How did you cope with those things? How did you deal with the technical debt that you were creating that you were going to have to deal with later? Um, you know, how were you making plans for that? So it, it, is, it is about the technology and what is being built, but it's about the decisions and the, the journey that that person is going through. Um, so I think that also helps kind of keep, keep us out of the ones and zeros. Yes. Yeah, so before um, you, you go into the episode, you, you don't have an idea of, of the story you want to tell. Do, do you go in and ask your questions and kind of let your guest guide you and whatever story they happen to reveal, that's, that's the path you'll take? Or do you go into these interviews thinking, well, this person has built this company and this is, is what I think this, this story will sound like? Or how do you approach that? That's a great question. So I, the way that I typically do it um, is I send them essentially what I call, refer to as the spine of the interview. And it's essentially a set of questions that I know that I'm going to center around. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell the guest that I was like, this is what I'm going to essentially walk you through. And for the most part, I'm going to stick to it. But if you answer something that's interesting, I'm going to start digging into it a little bit. Um, so, you know, if they talk about you know, really interesting quality that they look for when they're building their team. I want to dig into that a little bit. I want to tell me, tell me about that a little more. Why is that quality important? Or, you know, if someone, if someone chose to start building their solution in a scalable way at the very beginning versus fixing it later when they've got a million users, I want to know why. That takes a lot of foresight. So I may dig into 
okay, why did you why did you decide to do that? Because that's a lot of work up front. You obviously saw something that other people didn't by doing that. Tell me more. What what were you what were you thinking there? So I'll, I'll use the general spine to to direct um, and outline the interview, um, but I will dig in here and there to the most interesting parts. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, way of doing it. It makes makes sense when you outline it. So when you have that initial conversation, how long do those original raw recordings usually last? Because obviously the, the final product is quite tightly edited into a 20, 30-minute window. But what are those original conversations running? They usually run about an hour or less. I'd say between 45 minutes and an hour. Mm-hmm. Um there is a there's kind of a warm up part that I also do at the very beginning, um, where before I get into the product and before I get into the what the company is and what the product is that they built and how they got started with it, I will ask them about them. I will say, okay, before we jump into this, tell me about you outside of tech. What are your hobbies? What do you do? Um, how do you have any family? Do you like to get outside? What do you do that's analog, not digital? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times hobbies are still tech based or <laughs> hobbies are totally different. You know, it, it just depends on the person. And what I do with that part of the interview, which usually is probably about maybe five, 10 minutes of that 45 to an hour is I create my own introduction. So I take that information and I, I create my own introduction to the episode. Um, and I don't put it in the episode at all. So it's a great time for us to warm up, to kind of get used to talking back and forth to each other, to get to know each other a little bit um, on, you know, not just tech and product related stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I throw it away. Um, mm-hmm. I essentially use it to create the intro, record my own intro, and I don't put it in the episode. Using that technique, is that to kind of make that your guests feel comfortable with you and, and settled into the conversation so that more interesting stuff will come out in the in the conversation about their tech and company absolutely yeah i want to i want them to feel like and and i tell them this too you know some some guests will come with a script essentially like okay you sent me the questions i've got an answer for each one and i put <laughs> a paragraph down and and yeah. i say whoa, 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 whoa i mean that's great i'm glad you have some talking points and and thank you for taking this interview seriously. You know, I, I appreciate that in all humility. But I I also want you to feel like we're sitting in a coffee shop and we're, you know, two peers and you're telling me about your startup and all the fun stuff you went through, all the, the good, the bad, and the ugly that you went through to make this thing happen. Mm. And, um, you know, don't, don't, don't feel like you have to recite something to me. Uh, we're going to tell them we're going to edit it. We're going to put music to it. Yeah, we're going to craft the narrative. But so just talk to me like we're in a coffee shop. You know, you can hear the baristas, uh, you know, uh, frothing the milk behind us, you know, making the espresso. Mm. We're having, a, we're having a, um, a coffee and talking over the journeys we've gone through as, um, as tech founders. And so that first part helps to create that feel of, you know, just, Tell me who you are. Tell me who we're. Tell me your story. You know. Tell me who I'm talking to. Um, and so that does help a lot. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it's not something that I've heard loads of other people doing, but I think the way you've explained it, it does make perfect sense. In that, to to get to the really um, the juicy material or the in depth material, people do need to feel like they're comfortable and they know you. You did mention your current editor, Bradley Denham, and I wanted to talk a bit about what that relationship looks like how does that work because obviously 
you know if the conversation is being edited down from a a longer initial recording is bradley making those decisions or are you laying out what you want bradley to do and then he's you know mixing and editing the the final episode for you sure um so bradley bradley will mix and do the final episode um especially now we've worked together for all of season two um and and we'll be working you know moving forward for season three as well um so he does, he and his, his team, he has a team that he works with, uh, does all of the sort of, uh, editing, mixing and, and musical creations, um, and musical selections based on the feel of the interview. So we've gone through some repetition of, um, okay, Bradley, let's, let's, let's get real close on this episode and let's talk through every, you know, every minute and I'll tell you what I'm thinking and where I think there are too many ums, you know, and, and mm-hmm. where, where I think the, the part of the story is that, um, is interesting and is tense and, you know, or part of the story that's sad or part of the story that's like, yeah, you know, you <laughs> really need to throw some awesome music there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so early on, you know, we would have conversations about that a little more detailed conversations. And when we were in, you know, um, post-production, uh, and doing the editing and things. And, um, after a while, um, uh, Bradley just got it and really Bradley got it in the, in the beginning, but after a while we got in sync about what we want, uh, mm-hmm. or what I want the show to be. And so nowadays, uh, he'll see me an episode and I might have a small tweak here and there, but really it's just, okay, that sounds great. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put it up for, <laughs> for release next week. Great job. Nice. Um, so yeah, it, it took, you know, it took a little bit of, um, close conversation um, early on with, with George and with Bradley, um, but not much. They both latched on to the idea really, really well. And that's, I mean, they're both amazing editors too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the ideal scenario when you can just put your, your trust in someone else that they understand the vision and, and they can make the right calls. I mean, that that's a, a great position to be in. I was hearing that Bradley does the music side of things. I, I did want to ask you a bit about that in terms of like, you know are you is it bradley doing all the musical choices or have you got any say and i was also wondering um where you source the music obviously in podcasting royalty free royalty free music is a is a big thing that people are looking out for Uh, and i was just wondering you know where does the music come from and how do you decide what makes the cut in the in the edits sure yeah good question um so bradley lays out the initial beta episode and then Given you know we've we've gone through this a few times and and done some some reps where I've changed music here and there, mm-hmm. um, he kind of knows again what I'm what I'm looking for and where the parts of the interview that are tense versus not, and um, so he'll he'll basically lay out the beta music and if there's something where I'm like I don't know that really fits what I see happening in the story let's try something else, um, then we'll do that and we'll do a little iteration there, mm-hmm. um, so so it's typically him him and his team. Um, that that lay it out for if we roll back to the very beginning um it was it was george and i doing it um very intimately for the probably the first 10 episodes of just like oh let's no that doesn't work we need something that sounds like this or you know something that you know is a little more subtle or there's there's too much drums here there's too much uh treble in that and it's and it's kind of mixing with the voice so mm-hmm. we, we we had to do some iteration there to figure out some of that as far as where we sourced it um, one of the primary sources is musicbed.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, for 10 bucks a month, you can get a, you know, YouTube podcaster account and, 
you can source music from there. Um, there's a handful of other places that are are not coming um, to mind uh, right now. I'll have to I'll have to get that list out. Um, but there's a handful of other places where there's some royalty free, royalty free music. Um, music Bed has the for for my taste and for what I've seen, Music Bed has the the best quality. Um, it, it is a paid platform for that ten bucks a month, but mm-hmm. it has really good quality um, studio musicians. I really like uh, very simple ambient, um, maybe electronic uh, music as well in the background to help the stories, and uh, they have a lot of that. So I, I tend to go there first. Yeah, I think it definitely is these paid-for services do just generally tend to be a lot better. I mean, when you look around online, there is lots of places where you can find completely free, royalty-free music, but in terms of the options that you have available and realistically, you might have to settle for something that's not exactly what you were looking for. So if it is something that you're going to be using day in, day out, like we mentioned before, it's well worth investing a a bit of money to, to help create a quality product. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and even, um, I don't, I don't think Bradley has had to do this yet and I'm not sure if, um, it's something that he does, but George actually scored some music, um, for some Mm. of the things in the podcast too. He, you know, he couldn't find what he was looking for. So he scored a few notes, um, you know, and, and looped it for, for several of the episodes. And, um, that takes a lot of talent to be able to do that and know what you're kind of wanting to, wanting to feel there. Um, so that was another thing too. Nice. Nice. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about uh, the fact that you produce your podcast in seasons. Uh, so we've talked to other podcasters on this show about producing a podcast in seasons, but why did you decide to do that with, with Code Story? That's a great question. Um, and one that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think initially I just wanted to, to group them together with a beginning and an end. So it felt, it felt like it was a package, you know, like, oh, this is season one of Code Story, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, oh, that's, that's in season two. That, that's a bonus episode in season two. Um, so I, I kind of felt like that, that felt more impactful than just um, um, releasing episodes on a weekly basis and, you know, keeping the count up to, I don't know, 457 someday, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, season 10, episode two sounds cool to me. Um, it, it, there's also kind of a built-in part of it too. I think there's a built-in way to take breaks if, if needed, um, mm-hmm. with seasons as well. Cause you know, I, um, as you can hear in the background, I have, <laughs> have a family and, uh, and, and, a you know, I'm a CTO and co-founder of startup. So it's a busy life. And, and sometimes I have had no issues, um, having a queue of interviews. In fact, I'm booked into fall right now as far as episodes Whoa. And, and, um, and so that's, that's great. And so I have no issues there, but there's also, um, I kind of want to be able to take a break if, uh, if I need to, um, Mm -hmm. even just, you know, turn the podcast off for a week or two and, and say, Hey listeners, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks, going to take a break. Um, whether I, I need to content wise or not, but it also creates a little bit of tension for the users and suspense and, Hey, I, I miss Code Story. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Um, I kind of uh, want the optionality of that, and, and seasons help me do that. 
Yeah, it's nice. I, I suppose I've heard that from a few other people that producing a podcast seasonally really is beneficial for for your own sanity, um, first and foremost, because it does it can seem a bit relentless if you have to release a new episode every single week uh forever which is <laughs> what what's what some people do but if you know that you can't take a break um it it does give you some flexibility and also uh, it opens the door to you know maybe getting some feedback from listeners on on your series uh and how people reacted to the first series uh, is that something that you do uh, like try and get feedback from your listeners I do. Yeah, I do try to, um, <clears throat> you know, ask, you know, what, what do you like about the show? What don't you like? What gets in the way? Um, are there any guests where you're like, man, I'd really love to hear their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, keeping, keeping a, a close network of CTOs, I, I'm able to ask them primarily. I do ask my audience as well. Um, just, you know, whenever it makes, it makes sense through newsletters and, and things like that. Um, I think the biggest feedback, which is the, one of the biggest things we changed in season two was the level of the music as far as volume. And, um, I got pretty regular feedback that the volume and type of music was a little distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing which I, I have not figured out how to fix and I don't think I can, uh, is that you can't play it on, you know, one and a half, two times, uh, you know, speed. Some people like to listen to the, the fast mm-hmm. speed. Which more power to them? I cannot do that. <laughs> no, me neither. Me neither. Um, <laughs> but with the music and stuff, and when it you know is kind of crafted in a certain way, you can't really do that. So I have gotten that feedback too. Um, uh, but primarily, it's been the music. So that's been a big shift in season two. And and since we made that shift, we haven't we haven't had any of that feedback. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely good to uh, take it on board anywhere you can. And uh, I, I do understand like it is important to to get the levels right and you you do want the 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 person's voice and the message that they're uh presenting to be front and center so yeah finding a way to provide a nice backdrop but still keeping keeping the focus on them is is always ideal Um, absolutely so in terms of growing your audience and expanding are there any particularly effective strategies you find for you know getting more listeners for code story that's a great question. If if I had that formula cracked, I definitely would share it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard one to still, crack. It's a hard one to crack. It sure is. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It, it, it's a, another parallel to startups. I'll, I'll say is that you know in startups, one thing I've found is that in the early days, you got to work for every download. You got to work for every user. Um, there's a lot of touch. It's a high touch process early on, and it's that way with podcasts too. I've I've, I've discovered. You know, I think there's a tipping point like anything um, where, you know, you hit the certain inflection point and people start pouring in. Um, You know, I think that mechanism is different for everyone. Um, But early on, it's been, you know, really just working hard to stay connected and network where I can tell people about the show, ask them for feedback, ask them to share, ask them to do do reviews Um, and every little step like that creates another sort of bubble of exposure and that's when that's what has been the most useful um i think secondary uh, secondarily useful or however you say that i i have a do i do have a pretty solid network of software developers you know ctos technology people and so 
being able to share that on my personal network has helped kind of jump um, jump start the podcast. But as far as expanding past that, it's been it has been a lot of high touch, which is really fun in in certain aspects because um, it's a lot of you know it's a lot more conversations, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- but I haven't found any levers that are you know if I pull this lever, then people just come flooding in to listen. Yeah. And, uh, Working on that uh, <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Uh, if you have any secrets, let me know, James. But, I, I um, wish I did. Wish I did. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I don't know. Even among the the social media channels, um, like a podcast that could we always find just Instagram tends to tends to perform best for us uh, as opposed to other channels. Um, and you know, different businesses and different podcasts will perform differently on different channels. In, in terms of the social media world, is there anything? Are there any options that you find that tend to work better than than others? That's a that's a great question too. You know, for me personally, I have found a lot of uh, value in LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'd say secondarily, probably Twitter and Instagram are useful, but um, really LinkedIn has been the best one um, for for me. And, and I haven't really poured into the the others. Um, as much I've kind of focused on, you know, where I reside, mm-hmm. which is, which is essentially just LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and, and everything else is just sort of, sort of through automated posting. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say that's been the, the most useful one for me. It's, it's, there's some startup groups, um, that are there. I'd say another interesting one actually that has been good. A couple actually is, um, one is Indie Hackers, IndieHackers.com, which mm-hmm. is a, you know, uh, independent builders forum uh built by Cortland allen actually was uh, my first episode in season two um he uh he built this you know network of people who are building you know SaaS solutions and trying to uh make money off of them and um, that's been really really cool because these stories are essentially about um those people mm. you know um and i've actually gotten quite a few guests from indie hackers uh, even besides Cortland. So that, that's been an interesting medium. Another one has been um, a site called Dev2, which is um, sort of like Indie Hackers for developers um, specifically, a little more technology-based, but that's been another interesting place that uh, I found a little bit of traction um, from just because it's software developers, it's um, you know founders, it's startup-minded people. Um, so that's, that's been that's been good. Yeah, uh, is indie hackers is it similar to product hunt, um, or is it different in in what it does? Um, sort of, uh, you know. So product hunt, you know, you you upvote the product, right? You post updates on the products, and you can comment and things like that. Mm-hmm. Indie hackers is more of um, uh, a community, I, mm. I would say. Uh, and product hunt is a community of sorts, yeah. But it's really I towards the products, right? Yeah. Um, indie hackers is more like I towards the process of building your own SaaS. Um, you know, bootstrapping something from nothing and 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 making it successful and how you did that. Mm. And there's there's a lot of community. There's a lot of sharing. There's a lot of hey, how did you do this? Or hey, I'm looking for this. Or hey, what do you think of this? Mm. Um, so it's 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 a real communal forum for uh, for uh, founders and tech founders specifically. Uh, whereas product hunt is a little more wrapped around the, little more wrapped around the products. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, I think absolutely those ways of 
or finding communities that you can um that are a good fit for your podcast and really in order to make that promotion strategy work like you said you really need to be embedded in that community and asking questions and interacting with with other members because we've seen in the past some people you know they they'll go into a, a reddit community or a subreddit and they'll try and promote their podcast and, and get listeners and you just get banned straight away in that <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's not it's not a quick win you can't just run into all these communities and say oh go check out my podcast you need to be kind of actively involved in them to begin with uh, and then then maybe you can say oh I've, I've done this like what's your feedback what do you think Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's totally, totally accurate. You know, um, there's no free lunch, right? <laughs> or whatever the mm -hmm. saying is, there's, there's no quick way to, to um, make your product blow up or make you, you know, to do a single post and all of a sudden your stuff goes viral. Mm -hmm. You really got to work for it. And, and it takes a lot of work to be embedded in a community like that. And, um, you know, cool thing is, is if you're, if you're podcasting or you're creating a product that is in that realm, it's pretty natural. It's a pretty natural fit to just jump in and be a part, right? Mm. You can offer, you can offer value. You can offer advice. You can ask for advice. You know what the jargon is, you know what the lingo is. And and so it's, it's easier to, to do that. Whereas, you know, if I was, if I was podcasting about, you know, basket weaving or, or cross stitching or something, I wouldn't know this first thing <laughs> you know, to go, to go and jump in those communities. Um, so I, I think that helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, you're covering your costs. You've secured sponsors for your show. You've got quite a few different sponsors, uh, from the looks of it. So what's your approach there and how do you go about pitching to your, your various sponsors? Yeah. So it's, it's still an evolving process. Um, right now I would say, you know, the, the length of sponsorship we have right now that we're able to secure is, is about a month, mm -hmm. um, a month long from a specific sponsor. Right now I use Podcorn heavily. Um, so podcorn.com pretty, pretty new service as far as, um, podcasters finding advertisers. Um, but it's been pretty, it's been pretty valuable, um, for a code story and mm -hmm. we have used it um i won't say exclusively but um uh, for a large part of our advertising uh, there's been a couple of people that have reached out from different advertising agencies uh was it Ver veritone one i think is what it's called um, they linked they reached out about some other advertising as well so i'm, I'm looking to partner with them um you know so it, it's still a, an evolving formula it 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 takes a lot of work and a lot of um, back and forth pitching mm -hmm. and things like that. As part of the pitch, you know, I try to look for, I try to look for advertisers that fit the show type, that fit the audience type. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, builders, entrepreneurs, startup people, uh, software developers, people that are open to buying stuff online. You know, they're pretty comfortable with using technology. Um, younger crowd things like that. So I try to, I try to match those demographics with the, what people are advertising. And then it's a pretty easy sell just to say, it's a pretty easy sell just to say that, um, you know, I, you know, we've got this many downloads per episode, you know, here's our overall downloads, here's our demographics. Uh, this is what we'll charge and we're open to talk about it if you think it's too much. So mm. um, we'll see, we can go from there. Nice. So th these companies that you're approaching, um, generally they're companies that might not have done 
much podcast advertising in the past and you're kind of approaching them with this opportunity or are you specifically narrowing your options down to to people that you've seen engage with other podcasts that's a great question um it's kind of it's kind of uh, a few different ways um the the first way is uh these are advertisers that are um well these are brands that are represented represented by advertising agencies through podcorn or through something else that are looking for um spots on popular shows essentially mm-hmm. so that's one um the other is through uh i'm sorry the second is through um my network of individuals so i have a close relationship with dev mountain um which is a boot camp for developers i've actually hired um nine or ten developers from their nice. um, program for variable. And so we have a close relationship. I'm on their local team that reviews their curriculum every year. And, and, um, and, and we stay close. Any, anyway, the point was they, they uh, sponsored the, like the first half, I think of, uh, season one or almost all of season one. Um, just because we had that good relationship and they were looking to put, you know, their brand in front of people. Um, the same thing with uh, some of the vendors that I use at Variable. One of them was uh, Dwala. So Dwala, I actually worked with. They introduced me to some of their clients. They sponsored the episodes where we interviewed their clients, and then they put the podcast. They created a podcast page about Code Story on their product page. <laughs> um, so that was you know that's really helpful for traction yeah. and things like that. So uh, that was the, so that's the, the second category is kind of just relationship based. Like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing. I think it's interesting. This is what it costs. What do you think? And then, you know, the third one is something that's a little more experimental that you're talking about, just kind of reaching out to individuals, seeing a fit of the demographic and being like, hey, I, I like your service. I like what you're doing. Um, I think that my listeners would like it. Uh, this is what we sort of do on a sponsorship basis. We can even just try for a little while and see what you think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you get some traction, we can commit to a longer current, longer term thing. So that one's pretty new, I would say, uh, yeah. f- as far as the approach. But uh, that also takes a little more strategic thought and, and time to uh, identify those targets. And um, I haven't haven't quite got a good process around that yet. I'm aware of some other podcasts that do do that particularly well in terms of finding an alignment between what they talk about on their show and the, the products or services that they're advertising. And it, obviously, you know, the, the conversion that the advertiser gets just has to be much better as a result of that. You know, you the 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 running joke in podcasting is it's like zip recruiter or Casper mattresses or whatever, like all these things that, you know <laughs> Simply uh, safe. Exactly. <laughs> who who is actually, you know, buying all these products. But yeah, if you can get the alignment right, then you don't need a massive audience in order for it to be, you know, worthwhile for the advertiser to actually get conversions off the back of it. I'm mindful of your time, so I just have a few questions left. Uh, and uh, because you have a knowledge of tech and you understand what's going on in that space, I, I just wanted to uh, ask you what your thoughts are on the, the direction that podcasting is heading uh, in terms of Apple Podcasts and Spotify or f- uh, fighting for market share. And obviously the, the big issue in podcasting at the minute is the is the discovery problem. It's just not that easy to discover podcasts due to RSS feeds and the way that the whole thing's set up. You can't have a a YouTube-like algorithm where episodes are being recommended. You 
listen to this podcast so you might like this that doesn't exist yet but from your perspective um in a, in a technical capacity is there is there anything that you think will be done in that space or is there any innovation that you think could happen there that that will change the landscape in podcasting yeah um i think that there is uh i think that you know podcasting has uh, been pretty niche for a long time and now it's becoming really popular mm-hmm. um which which causes more people to want to jump in and innovate right um mm. so when i see when i see you know more podcasts out there um you know more people jumping in and doing it um you know people signing up and using anchor right and just creating a personal podcast things like that um it creates a much broader market which is more attractive to building you know these newer tools um, so someone taking the time to really apply some machine learning and really apply some, um, some strategic software architecture around, you know, how do we get the most out of RSS feeds, right? Or how do we get the most out of people's activity? Um, mm-hmm. you know, people are really starting to try this now, you know, they've got essentially, you know, social networks built around podcasting, like, so, so Breaker, for instance, uh, um, you know, Leah Culver over there at Breaker has done a great job building that product, but it's essentially, you know, it, it, it surfaces people's likes and activities and listens, um, to where people can respond to that. Now take that data, um, and apply some strategic, you know, model learning on top of it. Then you might have something for discovery. You might have something where you're, someone signs up and you're able to say, Hey, you know, you're a 38 year old male in Texas, and, um, you know, what are some of your interests? Okay. This, this, and this, okay. You probably want these six podcasts mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, here, we're going to recommend these after, you know, you listen to a certain set of podcasts. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, I think the data is starting to get there and that's going to be a crucial part for podcast discovery. Um, as far as podcast production, I actually see a lot of interesting things happening there's a lot of tools that are popping up Um, a lot of people are trying to solve problems around recording and production and how to string all those things together in a smart way Um, it's it's moving slower than my taste Uh, (laughs) and if i had time i would love to jump in and help but um, i think that there's uh, a lot of people trying to solve some of these problems um, and string together the right workflow without building some sort of you know, monolithic platform that you have to use, but creating the sort of integrated, uh, connected, horizontal, separate solutions to where everything kind of talks to each other really nice. So I don't know, I, it's, it's kind of a, a bounced around answer around production and discovery. I do think that we will see some good solutions come out. It's, it's uh, probably just need a little more time. Yeah, it it just seems like there there is so much potential there, uh, and w- with the market just exploding in the way it has over the past two years, yeah, it's, I suppose it is just a a matter of time. It will be interesting to see, you know, what surfaces over the next uh, over the next few years. Absolutely, I think it will be it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, so lastly, Noah, if you could could go back to the start uh, when you had the initial idea for for code story um is there anything that you do differently uh, armed with the knowledge that you have now 
Sure. I, I think that I'm really happy with how things have turned out. So I don't, um, I, I believe that, you know, we walk through mistakes and hurdles and milestones and, you know, painful moments for a reason. And they, and they make, they make us who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the journey. Um, if I could go back, I, I would have hired an editor sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd be, you know, 60, 70 episodes in now as, uh, instead of, you know, 40, 50. So, um, you know, I think that that would have been something smarter to do. And that was a lesson I had to learn for myself. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I'm learning that lesson for my businesses as well at, at that same time, you know, how to delegate better, how to let go of, you know, engineering control and how to, um, build a team that can run autonomously. Um, and that was that, that affected podcasting that affected my startup world. You know, that's, that was a lesson I was learning at that time. So a little bit, it was, was timing too. Um, but if I, yeah, if I could go back, I would, I would do that sooner. Um, so that I could get out of my own way. Hmm. <laughs> well, you're here now. You've got out of your own way. Uh, things are looking good. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so where can people go to connect with you, Noah? Obviously LinkedIn probably. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You can grab my profile, um, there. Um, yeah, you check out the podcast at codestory.co or on any podcast directory. Um, you can also learn more about me at noahlabhart.com as well. Nice. Well, thank you very much. No, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. Thanks, James. This was fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with the other podcasters or aspiring podcasters in your life, or alternatively, leave it a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows to keep the algorithms happy. That's it from me, and I'll see you next time.